Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until it is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Let us bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for this word that you've given us for this time, we ask, O oh Lord, that you will open our minds and our hearts and our spirits to receive it. Teach us, O oh Lord, what we need to learn this morning about what it means and how it applies to our daily lives. I ask, O oh Lord, simply that you will give me your thoughts, that it will be your voice coming from my mouth. I ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It is hard to imagine salt with no taste. Think about it. Salt with no taste, one of my daughters said, was sand. She said, if it's got no taste, it's not salt. It's got to have taste to be salt. But can you imagine light with no brightness? It just doesn't make any sense, right? You see, when we hear these words, salt and saltiness and light and brightness, we begin to realize that these are not secondary qualities. These are main qualities of light and salt. These are the kind of qualities that you must have in order to be these things. You cannot be salt without saltiness. And you cannot be light without brightness. You have to have these qualities. And it is these qualities that not only describe what they are, but what they do. You see, a lot of times when we want to define something, we, we talk about what these things do. We describe things based on function. What is it that this does? And we describe it based on what it's able to do. It's the same thing with both light and salt. You see, light and salt add something and take something away. They add something and they take something away. Light adds brightness 
and drives darkness away. Salt adds saltiness and takes away blandness. Have you ever bought something that you thought was going to be great to cook, put it on your food, tasted it, and went, this isn't very good? Too bland. Not enough what? Taste. And immediately you knew that it wasn't what you were looking for. But salt in biblical times was more than a condiment. I want to tell you that salt was more than just something to be added to food. Because when we hear salt, we immediately think of the table salt on our, on our table. We immediately think of the salt that you used on your chicken nuggets before you ate them or on your fries. We think of salt, we think of those little white flakes that you put on food. But look at what salt is used for in Scripture. In the Old Testament, salt was added to the sacrifice. And it was considered a symbol of hospitality, fidelity, and purity. And in fact, Leviticus 2.13 tells us that the law required that all offerings presented by the Israelites contain salt. Every sacrifice. Now that begins to change our view of salt as just a condiment to be added to food. Salt also was symbolic of hospitality. And when you use salt and cook food and then had a guest at your table and they ate of the food that you had salted, they believed that you were establishing a covenant of salt with that person. And what that meant was that your hospitality of sharing the table with them and making them your guests meant that now you had to care and protect them in your home. It gave you a responsibility when you had shared your table with them. And finally, another vital part of the use of salt in Scripture was for salt to keep food from going bad. You had to use it as a preservative. And so salted meat lasted a lot longer than unsalted meat. And you can still see that today. You take a piece of chicken, put no salt, leave it out, put another piece of chicken, put salt. I guarantee you the one without salt is going to go bad first. Salt has this ability to serve as a preservative and thereby, it is a symbol of preserved and prolonged life. That's a lot more than table salt when you begin to think about all these meanings. And you see, the people that are listening to Jesus and are listening to his words about salt, they are thinking about all of these aspects of salt that to us would be completely lost because we don't use salt in that way. You know, we just think of it as a condiment. You add it to your food, make your food salty, you're good. That's it, salt. And then there's light. And we know a lot more about light, right? Light is a more common image for us. Light, of course, represents God's presence throughout Scripture, His truth, His power. We're told that light was created by God in the beginning when there was chaos and nothingness. He created light. 
He put luminaries in the sky to declare day and night. And light was there at the very beginning because God said, let there be light. And then, of course, we know as light is something that reveals and shows us what is hidden. How many times have you gone into a room that was not lit, and you looked around and you thought you knew what stuff was, and then you flipped the switch and went, boy, I was wrong about that. That wasn't what I thought it was. Light illuminates. It reveals that which is not known. It shows you what exactly is there. It makes things clearer. It brings about the truth. It reveals what is not and makes things easier for us. When we can see what we're going, we're less likely to stumble. When we understand what is before us, we are better equipped to deal with it. Light is a symbol in Scripture of God's guidance as well. God led the Israelites through a pillar of fire at night, that light shining before them, showing them which way to go. We often hear in Scripture about God lighting our path. Let your word light shine like a light on my path that I may know your ways. Jesus is called the light of the world. We all know that from all of our Christmas songs, right? Jesus, the light of the world, which tells us the world needed light because it was in darkness. It tells us that there was a need for him to come because we needed his light. And light is always placed in a high place. Look around this room. Where are the lights? They're up high. They're up high because the purpose of having them there is so that they can have the most effect on the room as possible. If we had the lights underneath the pew, it might look kind of cool, but you wouldn't see very well. Right? Having them above lets the light reach the most space. It allows the most people to enjoy it. When cities were built, they were built on hills and high places so that their light could be seen from afar as people were coming so that they could see any danger coming their way. Light played a part in all of it. When you begin to see these two aspects of salt and light, you begin to understand a little bit more about what Jesus was talking about when he said to us, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. What he was saying was, don't consider being, not maybe you will be. He's saying, if you are my followers, if you are followers of my son, Jesus Christ, you are going to be light and you are going to be salt. In other words, you're going to have an impact on that which you come in contact with. Light and salt have an effect on that which they come in contact with. You know, and sometimes the effect is instant, and sometimes you see the effect over time. 
And sometimes you think you're having no effect at all. When we got new cabinets for the kitchen, one of the doors did not come, uh, was not right. The guy drilled it the wrong way. He couldn't, he couldn't fix it. He said, I'm just going to have to get you another door and put it in. And he brought another door and he put it in. And I said, that door is not the same color as all the other doors. He said, it is. The difference is that these other doors have been exposed to light for a period of time. And that light has changed the hue of the color just enough that you can see it. And then he said, but I've got good news for you. This door that I have put up is going to be exposed to the same amount of light as the other doors. And eventually it's going to catch up. And they're all going to be the same color. And I thought he was just trying to sell me the door. But after a while, you can't tell. The light that it was exposed to made a difference in that door over time. And it was so subtle that I didn't even realize until one day I looked up and I couldn't tell which door it was. Because the light had changed it. Jesus was saying, you're going to be the light of the world. You're going to be the salt of the earth. You're going to effect change for the kingdom of God by being my light in the places where there's darkness. And you know, when it's really dark, the faintest of lights can be seen. When it's really dark in a dark alley, you put a light, you, you can light a match and you can see it. And that light makes a difference. And we are told that we're going to be salt of the earth. Jesus knew that we needed to get salty. Because he knew sometimes we can be way too bland. Did you notice how many times Jesus was salty? He was salty at times with people. Because he had a message to deliver to them. He had life-saving messages to share with them about his work, about the kingdom of God, about grace, about forgiveness. But he needed to get right there in front of them and make sure that they heard him. And at times you just can't get people to pay attention to you unless you get a little salty. To make your point. Not rude, but salty. And Jesus calls us to be salt and light. And then he gives us a warning. He says, make sure that you never lose your saltiness. Make sure that you never lose your brightness. Because when you lose your saltiness and when you lose your brightness, you run the risk of becoming irrelevant in the kingdom of God. You run the risk of not making the effect that you're supposed to make in this world. You run the risk of not being the light that is needed in the darkness where you are standing. You run the risk of not making a difference in the neighbor or the friend or the coworker that is looking at you to see the light of Christ. 
and to experience something different. Like salt seasons food, we are to season this world with the word of God, with his love and with his grace. We're supposed to make a difference. When somebody forgets to salt the food, you know it the minute you take a bite. And what do you do? You immediately reach for the salt because you can tell that it's missing something. Jesus was warning us as Christians that we cannot risk people looking at us and not experiencing the light or the salt of Christ because then they'll look somewhere else because they'll still have a need for Jesus. They'll still have a need for his light. And if we're not sharing it, God will try to find another person to share it with them. And that will be a sad day for us. Because we have lost our light, and we have lost our saltiness. But Jesus makes clear that it's not an option for the Christian, whether to be salt or light. But rather the question is, how bright is your light? And how salty are you for Jesus? How sold out are you for the kingdom of God? And can people see it? when they look at you. In the second part of our scripture, Jesus ties these images to the law and the prophets, explaining that he has not come to dismiss the law, but to fulfill the law in its fullness. What he was trying to tell us there is that grace is not a license to break God's law. That grace is not meant to lead us to sin more, but rather to understand that when we sin and when we fall, there's a place of refuge in Christ where we can be restored. Grace is an invitation to live a new and righteous life with Christ, to become bearers of his light, to carry his salt into the world. You see, a lot of people like Jesus' message, even, they didn't, even though they didn't understand what he was, he was all about. They liked it because they thought, if we follow Jesus, we can just do away with the old law, the old prophets, the Old Testament, the old God that demanded holiness. We can just do away with all that and just embrace this love and grace and the idea of just being received by Jesus. And Jesus wanted to make sure that they understood that he didn't come to undo what God had done, but rather to fulfill it through his own example. You see, he even summarized the law for them in two commandments to make sure that he could simplify it for them. But he still expected them to follow the law of God in their own lives. He didn't want this to be turned into a theology of anything goes. He didn't want his followers teaching somebody else that not following the commandments was okay. He wanted them to understand that there is a high standard to follow Jesus, that you have to deny yourself 
that you have to live by God's will. And therefore, in the final verse, on verse 20, he sets an extremely high standard for his followers. I want you to hear this because this is, this is tough when we are used to seeing Pharisees and scribes as the bad guys in Scripture. He says, Your righteousness should exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. Your righteousness should exceed theirs. Now what you have to understand is for the people listening to this word, the Pharisees and the scribes were the people that were sold out for God in terms of their commitment to follow God's will and commandments to the letter of the law. These were the people that were willing to reorganize everything in their lives to make sure that they did what they understood God was calling them to do. These were the people that were willing to cross their T's and dot their I's when it came to the law of God. Now we know because of their encounters with Jesus that often their zealousness of following the law meant that sometimes they missed the spirit of the law. But the one thing that Jesus never condemned in the Pharisees was that they truly loved God, loved God's law, and wanted to do what was righteous before a holy God. They wanted to do that. And so he says, if you really want to enter the kingdom of heaven, your righteousness, your doing of what is right before God, should exceed that of the Pharisees and the scribes. Jesus wanted them to understand that we have to make a difference in the world by being bearers of his light and salt of the earth. And that we can't do that unless we're willing to really surrender our lives to God fully. That we can't really do that unless we're willing to shine in whatever darkness we are located. That we can't really do that unless we're willing to be salt where things have gone bland and people have become indifferent to the word of God. That we can't do that unless we're willing to not lose our edge as Christians and to grab on to the power of God that he has given us to be superheroes. You know, a superhero is often defined as somebody who gives their lives for others in service. I don't know any greater superhero than Jesus Christ, who gave himself up on the cross to give us the opportunity to accept him and his life in our own lives. But like I was telling the children, so often we just say, yeah, Jesus was a superhero and that's great, but I'm not a superhero. Well, I got news for you. Jesus gave you the power to save lives by sharing him with others. He gave you the power to do greater things than he did while he was here on earth. He gave you the opportunity to shine as bright as he did in the middle of the darkness. And he made you salt to help preserve life 
of those who are perishing by telling them about Jesus. Our superpower is not some cheap form of grace. Our superpower is not our own intellect, our own abilities. It's not even our own spiritual gifts. Our superpower is having been in the light of Christ and knowing what it means to be forgiven, redeemed, and given new life. Our superpower is that we have a story to tell of what God has done for us and what he can do for others. But if we stay on the couch, as I was telling the kids, and never go out and use our superpower, people will never know the light of Christ that is in us. They will never experience the salt of Christ that seasons our life in such a way that it is different. They will never know what it means to truly know the greatest love they'll ever know. We have to be willing to get off the couch and use our superpowers. The final words, Jesus warns that we must teach these things to others. That we have to teach others that there is grace and salvation in Christ. That there is newness of life. And that things are different if you come in contact with the living God. That things are different if you've experienced Jesus. And that the power of Jesus can be in each and every one of us and in fact has been given to us through the Holy Spirit so that we can go forth in his name to build the kingdom of God. We have the power. The only question is, will we use it to bring his light and to bring his salt into the earth? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for this great challenge to us, O Lord, to truly embrace our roles as bearers of the light of Christ and salt of the earth. Help us to know that you have placed us in different places in our lives. Because there are people around us that are looking through their darkness, trying to find the light. There are people that need to experience the salt of the hospitality of your kingdom that they need to know your son, Jesus Christ. We ask, O oh Lord, on this day that you will give us the courage to embrace our role as superheroes of your kingdom, as people called to do great things in the name of Jesus Christ, as people empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring newness of life. Help us, Lord, to know that it is all for your glory and all by your grace. In Jesus Christ we pray, amen. The altar is going to be open. I'll ask the prayer team to come forward as we continue worship. If you would like to come up and pray. The enemy has been telling you, hey, you can't shine. Your light is dwindling. This is a day for you to come up and say, Lord, light me on fire. Get me to shine bright where I am. Show me where the darkness is and help me shine with your presence. Let us worship.